GNHL Hour podcast. Welcome, universe, to the GNHL Hour podcast. Tonight we have Sarah Reed with us from the Eat, Think, and Explore. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. We have Ahmed on the side as well. What's up, man? What's up, man? Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. It was very interesting to hear your story when you texted me about like um, your last few months about traveling and everything. But the most interesting thing I found about you actually today was your relationship with Sherry Tomatoes. What's going on? <laughs> First of all, congratulations on fixing that relationship. But give me the story about that, please. <laughs> Okay, so that, that was actually quite a good um, intro to my entire story, really. So as a child, I was a really fussy eater, um, and I feel very sorry for my mum. Now, um, <laughs> I really, I had, I had a big thing about textures, particularly. So I was one of those kids that had to have everything separate on a plate. Uh, I, most vegetables I wouldn't eat, but I had this one particular day when I tried a cherry tomato, and I think I was about eight. And I think it was something to do with, it's got like the skin and the flesh and the seeds and the juice. And when it popped in my mouth, oh my God, I, I literally, I, I pretty much threw up. I was, I, and now since then, I didn't touch another tomato for many years. Wow. <laughs> I, I think I graduated to cooked tomatoes. I didn't even eat cooked tomatoes until about, <laughs> I was about 13, I think. Um, and yeah, I finally started eating cherry tomatoes a couple of years ago. As part of my whole eating vegetables uh, total lifestyle change thing, they were they were the, one of the last ones to come in. It was like my little personal challenge because <laughs> it's still now even after all this time, the thought of eating one is bad memories. But doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because other people like my son just pops them like they're sweets. So. Mm. That's my big issue as well. Like I'm, I'm a sweet person. Ah. Yeah, I have kept my kitchen without any sweet. Otherwise, I'll be there like just snip something, you know. Uh, that's been actually the really, really diet challenge over these days. Um, yeah. Because again, this is the third or fourth lockdown here in the UK. So if you mm -hmm. don't watch yourself like with your diet and everything, like, and I'm the type of person that I'll be a hundred percent vigilant all the time otherwise i'll be buying like gummies cakes <laughs> all of them you know yeah i was really surprised yep. um because you know what i've always heard from people was the reason that they don't eat healthy was because they don't have time you know i'm running in and out of meetings i'm commuting um you know so we're having to just pick some bits up and so i thought oh lockdown you know everyone's at home this is a really great opportunity yeah. for everyone you know you can have all the healthy food in front of you there's there's none of this or oh, i didn't have time or and then so then when i heard about after lockdown one about you know the lockdowns and lockdown 15 or something this weight wow. that everyone's put on <laughs> i was like what that's just the total opposite of what i thought you know was gonna happen but yeah i mean that's that's i guess feeling miserable and comfort eating for you that's <laughs> yeah it's quite exactly surprised. like just sitting mm. at home it's just like for me is the same as Gustav. The, the thing is having access to those kind of things. And just like if I buy something like a sweet or crisps or whatever, I'm not opening it for once, like for a couple of ones and just putting it back. I'm eating the whole bag. So it's like <laughs> when I have things around me that are like this, I'm like, 
<laughs> need yeah. to keep them out of sight and out of mind that's the key <laughs> it is yeah i used to be i used to be really bad um i think it was rebelling for my mum only ever letting us have like one two biscuits from the biscuit tin so i think as soon as i moved out i was like right now i can eat all of the biscuits all at once um but that ended up causing me quite a lot of trouble health-wise so i've had to kind of re relearn and, and kind of teach myself i guess to i still eat quite a lot because i love biscuits i love chocolate <laughs> um i don't think you need to cut them out entirely but it's moderation so yeah, i'm quite exactly. good now at having i'll have one or two chocolate biscuits and i can walk away or just having one line of chocolate i can i can do that now my husband's not quite so good <laughs> <laughs> but as yeah. i said it's all about like regulate whatever you can mm. eat right like i grew up in a brazilian italian family so food wow, is a big food. thing food is <laughs> a really big thing um even though like my mom she's like fit my my pops as well they they practice their exercise for their entire life and that's where i irritate my my fitness uh, side mm -hmm. as well but food always played a big role in our lives it's 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 a, a meaning of like having a family reunion mm -hmm. it's, it's a meaning to have friends at home everything is like related to food mm -hmm. so to detach from yep. that it's, it's really difficult and even yeah, but food yeah. i think food can still be that enjoyment if you're eating the yeah. right thing it's almost impossible to overeat some you know if you're, if you're largely eating vegetables you can eat almost as much as you like and you can't almost have too much and i think there's so much these are so much um focus on diets and so much focus on what we can and the rules of eating that a lot of enjoyment of food has been taken away yeah and um, it's become a stressful thing and i think that's really sad because most of us love food and you say food for a lot of cultures uh is this really lovely family get together thing like for us at christmas yep. in the uk not so much this year but you know generally um i think it's really sad that we've all got so stressed about food yeah when it, it doesn't need to be it's, Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the things I've noticed about a few people that I used to know and myself as well. So this person I used to know, like they moved from overweight all the way to like cutting down and become slim and fit. But that kind of relationship with her, like with her or his, um, like cutting down mm -hmm. created this situation where every time a little bit of weight starts to appear, it's a panic kind of thing. So it's yeah. a small panic kind of like, Oh my God, I'm getting weight. What's going on? And, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, but that's not even visible to me. Like that weight gain that you're talking about doesn't exist. So chill, <laughs> don't stress so much. But then yeah. they, they, they would go into a not eating whatsoever, anything all day, except oh. let's say a bread and cheese or something like this. Yeah. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> no, I go the other way. And people are, I'm one of those people that people hate because I eat all the time. And people are always, everywhere I go, everywhere I work, everywhere I've been, people are like, how do you eat so much and stay so slim? People are so annoyed with me. And I'm like, I think it's because my body's just like, there's no need to store any of this. Just use it because there's food. Food will be coming in an hour. Don't worry about it. There's no need to, there's no need to store any of this. My body just knows. It's just, yeah, use it, burn it. Let's, let's get rid of it. So I think it just keeps, I think by eating regularly, it keeps my metabolism so stoked up that it just burns through everything. The only issue with that is that if I 
did you do something where you don't come across food for a while if I don't eat for like six hours oh my god I'm lightheaded I'm like I really I get majorly hangry <laughs> because you know it, I need that constant fuel mm. um because yeah I guess my body runs it runs fast yeah what a is there people a... have yeah no, go on, go on. I was gonna say, a lot of people have really sort of slowed and stunted their metabolisms by not eating or by not having breakfast or by mm-hmm. having such minimal amounts of food that they, their bodies are in this situation where it's not really burning much because it's in storage mode. Um, and then mm-hmm. as soon as you start eating anything, it, it gets it gets stored, and that's mm-hmm. you know, it's a really hard place to be in. Yeah, um, interesting. I'm curious now, like, what is your approach with fasting? Ah, uh, see, I'm intrigued by fasting because okay. I. I need to look into this. This is actually something I need to look into more with intermittent fasting. I, I don't like the idea of, of not eating at all for, you know, for days because yeah, yeah. You, you're not giving your body what it needs. There are some things that you need to put in every day. And that's, in my opinion, if you're not putting the right things in to get the right chemical processes happening in your body, you are going to experience some health issues. You know, maybe not that day, but in the longer term. Um, but intermittent fasting is quite interesting because it has been shown in some people to reduce um, inflammation. Um, and that by intermittent fasting, I mean by having sort of spells. So perhaps not eating from seven o'clock at night to maybe having breakfast at 10 the next morning. So you, you try and have a, a fairly long gap between, you know, an early dinner and a late breakfast. So you have this spell where nothing is going in with the sort of theory being, I think part of it is that food can actually stimulate our bodies and cause a bit of a, an, an inflammatory response yeah because um, it is foreign objects and that sort of thing and so having that break where nothing goes in for a bit gives your body this chance to heal and for the information to recede um it's actually i'm interested that you brought that up because inflammation is a massive thing for me it's a massive mm. sort of topic of my like a passion of mine chronic information because no one knows about it and I didn't know about it and it turned out that that was my health issue um, mm-hmm. and for years I suffered and didn't know what was wrong with me and I was just collecting health conditions. Um, I, the, the running joke um, with me after my kids I was just literally a new one every year and they're not like <laughs> nothing major you know I, I can't say I had really bad health I mean, some people suffer a lot worse than I ever yeah. did but mm-hmm. you know my guts didn't work my lungs didn't really work my skin had like I had like eight different skin conditions and every now and then it would just all kind of fall off um for fun um and I ended up I had anemia I ended up with stress and depression and I got to the point where I was like how can I have all of these things that are wrong with me and you go to the doctor and they just go oh here's another cream here's another steroid and I'm like but I'm getting worse every year what is wrong with me and it it was this is why I'm now a nutrition coach rather than an accountant because I discovered food and I discovered diet and particularly balancing my blood sugars because I used to eat awfully I didn't used to eat vegetables I used to eat all sorts of refined processed crappy white sugar stuff so my blood sugars did this all day um mm, yeah. yeah and I wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals that I needed um and I was yeah I was suffering from chronic inflammation it's what I ended up discovering that I that I had so with a with a leaky they call it leaky gut syndrome yeah, yeah. your gut health deteriorates put where bigger particles get through and then that's just constantly triggering an inflammatory response so mm. by eating better cured my diet uh cured my diet cured my gut more and that's reduced right. that with a few other things but predominantly food has no. pretty much meant i've quit i had a box i mean i'm not joking when i say i had a box like this 
yeah of medicines that I wow. had um and I had yeah it was just getting it was just getting really silly and <laughs> I don't take any of them regularly now oh, I have a amazing. box like this now that's amazing. that's amazing and it's Go predominantly perhaps. aloe based um <laughs> stuff so yeah that's that's why I do nutrition now and because I wanted to share that with people. I was like, yeah. oh my God, you really are what you eat. Like it does make mm -hmm. such a difference. It does, um, yeah. It's just incredible. And we eat, those Western world just eats so badly a lot of exactly. us. Exactly. Um, I got into bodybuilding for a while in my life. Okay. Yeah, and then I started to go to nutritionism and everything. Mm. Um, and I started like a diet where you had to eat at least five times a day. And yeah. I was eating like a lot, like <laughs> a couple hundred grams of potatoes, a hundred couple grams, grams of chicken or meat, she whatever. Made a lot of protein, yeah. Yeah, and like a couple of veggies five times a day. So it was like a massive diet. Um, yeah. Like uh, my body, like look wise, it was good. I was having results. But like well-being, I was miserable. Uh, I was mm. stressed. Mm. Uh, I was almost depressed, and I mm. didn't know what was going on with me. You know, yeah. and I, as well, I started to to make research in an alternative diet, uh, and start to go to another professionals as well, and where I came like across with keto, fasting, mm. and all of that. And since I I moved uh, carbs away from my life start to do some okay. fasting from from the mm. night to, to to the morning yeah and eat less with more quality mm -hmm. my well-being like my joints i i start to feel great it was yeah a massive 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 difference mm. massive yeah. difference it is um, it's quite incredible and it's interesting how yeah. different diets do help different people as well yeah exactly um, i don't think i could live without without carbs no i can't i'm italian but, like yeah. i have to have my pasta come on <laughs> but it's yeah, about regulating exactly. you know <laughs> knowing okay. when to use them not every day mm, you know exactly. that's all yeah exactly. or in small amounts it's like you you yep. need it i mean the glucose is fundamentally what fuels your brain so exactly. you need that you need exactly. glucose coming in you know all the mm -hmm. time you need carbohydrates in your life but you don't need carbohydrates you need carbohydrates you know you need exactly. you need a sensible portion of them yeah. um of course yeah. after hitting the gym i'm i'm making my bowl you know i'm have a pasta <laughs> i'm have like some protein and different yeah, things yeah. but restock your glycogen yeah exactly up. well that's the thing though it's it's like for me fasting has been part of my life for a mm. long time because of like the religion yeah. element of it but i've actually integrated that into my day-to-day -day these days recently and it's been great for my skin it's been great for watching my weight like making sure my weight has never really for the last four, four years i've been consistently between 65 and 70 which is for me it's pretty good for my own health and mm. i feel great with that and the other thing is that to watch how what you eat my mother always had like immune system issues mm -hmm. different like anemia those kind of health issues mm -hmm. and she had the same thing doctors all the time they told her eat this eat that do this and do that medicine all the time but she recently did like a microbiome test like I got tested yeah and literally the report she got from that was like yo 
the, all the food that she was eating constantly was told to her, like, no, yeah. cut this out, cut this out, cut this out. And it was just surprising wow. because in any kind of food, it seems like they, if you used it excessively, whatever kind of food it is, mm. it would kind of come back to hurt you in the in your health it's going to affect you somehow some way yeah and that's one of these great um places where so as i do as a nutrition coach i, I focus on healthy eating but kind of in an easy an easy way um rather than sort of dieting mm. i think just building it into your life but also eco-friendly eating so eating in a way that's better for the planet as well and there are a lot of these brilliant overlaps like eating seasonally it's like mother nature knows what she's doing so by having only certain fruits and vegetables available at certain times of year, you vary up throughout the year what you eat. And at the moment, mm-hmm. as a culture, you know, we, we don't. You would just buy, you know, you buy broccoli and carrots all year and we eat the same vegetables all year. We eat the same few vegetables. Probably most of us probably buy, eat, what, five vegetables mostly, you know. When there's like 60 UK-growing vegetables throughout the year, we just don't eat most of them. And by, if you say, by eating the same things, you're opening yourself up to more risk of becoming allergic to it or you're yeah, building up um, certain gut bacteria that are feeding on those that can dominate the other ones and you, you ruin your balance. So by mm-hmm. eating seasonally and eating a really big variety of foods that helps to keep our globe diverse, you're actually massively helping your health as well at the same time. So I love the overlaps that you get between, between the two. Nature, nature knows best. Mother Nature's pretty smart. Yes, yes. She's got it sorted. Um, <laughs> and you wouldn't, you know, you think back to what we would have eaten, like you wouldn't have just sort of eaten one type of food. You would have been foraging. You would have been going about getting all, all different sorts of things um, throughout the year. So it's yeah. natural. Even with meat, like mm. back in the day, you wouldn't have eaten red meat that constantly. Like people eat it like every day now. Yeah, there's lots of people that have back meat. Back in the day, if you were lucky, yeah. once a week. <laughs> yeah, and even back in, um, I was interested from my daughter's schooling last term. They did something about this Lord Wooden pie that they used to have in the war. And it's quite interesting that just after rationing was actually one of the healthiest, we were one of the healthiest we've ever been as a population in the UK. Wow. Because obviously sugar was short and, and flour and that sort of thing were rationed. We were basically just living off vegetables that we could grow on the land and meat was in short supply. And apparently we were, we were really healthy at that point. <laughs> and, and we've gone downhill since then. But so many people we eat meat twice a day. Um, and I, we used to be one of them, to be honest. It's mm-hmm. part of this whole... Uh, my family, my husband and I, my diet transformation has been so ridiculous. I look back now at what I ate when I was sort of 25. And I'm like, how, you know, we used to, I, I remember my husband saying he could never not have meat in a meal, in a dinner. Mm-hmm. He was like, it would be rubbish. Mm. It would taste rubbish. It'd be awful. Now, you know, now we're meat-free <laughs> dinners like well over half the week. All and right. they're actually some of my favorites. Right. So it, yeah, it's, it's amazing how we've kind of changed our mind on that. And even yeah, someone that loves meat as much as my husband, he's like, actually, <laughs> if you do vegetables right and you, you know, it, they're, they're really really tasty yeah um it's about like the, the time and effort you put in it you can like mm. have really nice meals like despite what you're cooking um mm-hmm. and that's one thing that triggers me a lot when people say like i don't have time to eat or i don't have time to prepare my food mm. so like what what are you prioritizing in your life of course if you don't have time to cook you don't have time to eat 
you're not prioritizing your health. So you're going to pay with consequences, right? Mm. So you can bet they've got time to spend half an hour on Facebook. Exactly. So, their, uh... <laughs> exactly. So it's all yeah. about your educate yourself and mm. actually um, have people like you to have good like advice and, and guidance on how to prepare food and what to eat, when to eat, things like mm. that. Yeah, um, that's the idea of what I'm kind of trying to do. Yeah. I'm trying to, everything I do, I kind of aim it at myself uh, mm -hmm. sort of five years ago when I was busy mom, you know, super stressed working and said, I didn't have time for any of this stuff. I didn't have time to be <laughs> yeah. eco-friendly. I didn't have time to eat well, or I really struggled to find the time. So kind of everything I do now is kind of trying to help those people to try and do things speedily. Like all my recipes are kind of quick and, and short. I take out a lot of the stupid extra fast steps but yeah. packed with veggies and seasonal. So you haven't gone to do all this extra research. It's just, I just answers just delivered. That's what I try and offer. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, how did you like make this change from like the corporate world working as an accountant mm -hmm. and become like this, um, uh, nutritionist expert? How um, did you make this change? It was, I guess it did take a few years, but um, okay. I guess I've, I've never had a biology degree to start with. I've always been a sort of scientist okay. um, and, and like that side of things. Um, I ended up falling into accountancy to try and get a job. Yes, I enjoyed, actually enjoyed it. It was amazing for me in my 20s. And I ended up on this career and I was actually enjoying it, working stupid hours, stressed, all this sort of stuff. And then at some point, I guess I, my values switched as I kind of matured and came uh, a bit more aware of things than what I don't know but at some point the work just started to to great I just lost the enjoyment of it and we got to the point where my husband and I we had I just remember we, we got to this point where we had you know five bed lovely five bed detached house and BMW you know we were going on whatever holidays we fancy we just been to like Costa Rica um and we could pretty much have what we want and we were, we're going so looking at our lives we have everything that society says that we should have to be yeah. happy right that's that's what all the adverts you know that's what mm -hmm. everything's telling you and yet i had depression and i when i got diagnosed i was like how can i have depression like yeah. i have everything my husband's amazing my kids are amazing i have family and i have nothing to be depressed about and yet here i am with depression and it was off the back of stress predominantly that i had that but and the stress was coming from the work not being, I guess, aligned with me. And it was that that caused um, us to really kind of question and go, well, hang on a minute. If this isn't making us happy, yeah. what, what would make us happy? Yeah. And when we actually sat down and thought about it, you know, that the, none of the stuff that we had was really what, the, the happy stuff. We were like, well, we want to travel more. I want to see the kids more. You know, I want to do things. I want mm -hmm. to learn stuff. Uh, you know, I want to experience life. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, we're not doing any of that. So, yeah, that was kind of when we said, well, okay, I've always wanted to work for myself. And I, I'd been studying nutrition anyway, because <laughs> being me, mm -hmm. um, as soon as I got into it with my health and started discovering that food can make a difference, I started studying diplomas anyway, because I love learning stuff. <laughs> and I wanted to know all about it so I could apply it to myself. Yeah. So, it was yeah. like, well, actually, hang on a minute. I can, I can do this and I can help people. Um, and I'd love that, you know, that's something that I can actually get enjoyment out of because the, the corporate, I got so fed up with making money for people that have tons of money and their decisions, some of their priorities. And I, I, I was just like, I can't, 
they're doing the wrong thing. It's so unethical. Um, uh, and that, I think that was what was causing a lot of my troubles. So I was mm. like, I'm gonna, yeah, work for myself and help people and I'll feel better. And that was also, so was, I went part time and we went to Costa Rica and we traveled with them and, and came back and we, we talked about traveling for years. My husband and I, we nearly went before we had the kids mm-hmm. and we'd always wanted to do, we said, oh, we'll wait till the kids are older. But then we went to Costa Rica with them and we had such a good time just exploring with the children. So they were, I think, six and seven or seven and eight at the time. Yeah. And we just came back and we were just in this just massive, like, post-holiday funk going, oh, I just (laughs) really want to travel. You know, oh, when's our next? Because obviously when you're working, you know, you only have so much holiday. So we're like, oh, maybe safari next year. And I actually spoke to this woman um, at work who, um, she's an SAP consultant Mm -hmm. because I was working on a, like a, IT project at the time at work I'd sort of moved into project management sideways to escape um and she was one of these she was this lovely lady really quiet didn't seem that exciting you know she's she's an IT consultant um so you know like accounts you have the stigma of being dull and boring um and I was talking to her about this and she went yeah back in the 70s when my three were under seven we just packed up four backpacks and, and went off across the world and I was like oh my god <laughs> like a Is having three children <laughs> that was amazing i was like a three children under five are you insane um and b <laughs> just to go off in the 70s no no internet you know we didn't have yeah. this tourist trail she said yeah they just had a backpack of nappies a push chair and a couple of, of bags and they just went all across southeast asia and i was like oh my god i just i wish i could have done that before the kids were at school because they're at school and can't yeah. go and i just went home it was one of those surreal, probably one of the biggest decisions we've ever made in our life. And yet yeah. we made it just like that. I just went home and said, just chatted to my husband about this. And I went, oh, shame that they're in school. And then we're like, well, I suppose they don't, I mean, they don't have to be in school, right? You can homeschool your kids. Now would be the time to do it, right? Because they're in primary school. Well, okay, let's do it. And we just, just decided like that. It was wow. just, it was that easy for us. Um, and then about two weeks later, we were both like, are, you st- are we serious about this? <laughs> Was this like a joke? Like, how serious are we about this? And we were both like, yeah, totally serious. So yeah, we saved up, quit our jobs and, and, and went. Wow. We said we're going to go. Wow, that's great. Um... Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It wasn't until literally the night before, I think, when I was like, oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> I've never, you know, we've been to Costa Rica. I've never been to Southeast. I hadn't traveled as a teen, you know. Right. We didn't know anything about traveling. Um, we hadn't backpacked before. We were like, oh, everyone's like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, you know, just the thought of you going makes me anxious, and you know, everyone's sort of reacting as if we're all, we're like yeah. gonna die and be attacked or something out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. We're not big warriors. So we just did it, <laughs> and yeah. actually. I've never felt so safe in my life as out in Southeast Asia. It's much safer than here. It was, people are lovely. Um, and we had some really weird experiences like that we probably shouldn't, shouldn't have, just weird things that just wouldn't happen in England. We wouldn't do in England. Like when we, Myanmar was the best. We, having never been to Southeast Asia, Myanmar was a total yeah. shock because it is so, um, you know it's it's so un, undeveloped so untouristy they've only yeah. let tourists in you know sort of eight years ago 
Um, so there's nothing like, I don't know if you've been to sort of Southeast Asia and like the Thai, like Thailand and things like that. They're really westernized now. Whereas Myanmar just isn't. And the poverty there is just massive. People yeah. are probably sleeping under tarps down the side of the road. And we got there on the first night, drove to this little town. We weren't really following this. There's a sort of tourist trail, but we'd sort of gone a bit off it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we just walked through the town to get to the train station to book train tickets. Uh, and this chap, just 50, 50 year old man, walks up, All right. takes my son's face in his hands, kisses him on the cheek, and just walks <laughs> off smiling. He doesn't say a word wow. to us. And we're like, uh, okay in the uk you'd get arrested for that yeah exactly what just happened to me um within it was probably a mile to the station it happened three times Wrong. we were like uh, what is going on never happened again anywhere just literally that one mile walk through Myanmar. three men decided that they had to kiss my son <laughs> it was your, your son only <laughs> just my son didn't wow. no one wanted no, no interest in my daughter whatsoever. Just that's, my son. That's crazy. So weird. It was really weird. Yeah. And you're like, well, maybe it was like a cultural thing within that bio. That yeah, we tried asking mm. other people when we were sort of traveling through, but no one could really explain. Right. It wasn't like blonde boys are lucky or anything. Um, but it was an amazing country to be in because people properly like looked at you like they'd never seen a, like a white person before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had this, uh, I was one person because my daughter's like a proper auburn redhead, lovely flowing auburn hair, Ooh. obviously not from me. Yeah. Mm. And there was a, a lady we were talking to with a guy and she lived out in this village in the middle of nowhere that we'd sort of gone to. She was asking him, how, how does she get her hair that colour? And he's like, it's, it's like that. It's born. She's like, what? How can you have hair that colour? So yeah, she saw her first ever redhead. Yeah, was... that's really interesting because like when you go over there, we're experiencing like milk stuff for us. Mm. They are exotic. Mm-hmm. But in their reality, we are the exotic people, you know? Mm. Yeah. Exotic ones. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's so really it's interesting. It's quite fun being a minority. Yeah. We had... Yeah. Um, because we went on all the tourist stuff. We, you know, there were times we were on these little buses, like yeah. proper local buses, and you're sat there, and all these locals are looking at you like, "What are you? What? What are these white people doing? Why are you <laughs> on my bus? Like, are you really lost?" <laughs> it was brilliant. Do you know where you're going? <laughs> yeah, we're like, we do, we do. We're just really cheap. We didn't pay for the tourist bus. We thought we'd get the local bus instead. <laughs> Living yeah. Like yeah, I think obviously traveling with kids changes things up as well to how you would how you would normally do things. So one of the times we ended up on a bus. Um other people tend to so most tourists tend to hire a bike yep. and do this loop on the Volvo and Plateau in Laos. Um but we A I only just started riding scooters in Bagan in, in Myanmar for the first All time right. in my life, which in itself was interesting. I thought I was gonna die the first evening <laughs> that we were out. It's all sandy. So you're just going along and there's these sand traps and your bike falls over and it's like really heavy and ugh. But it was fine. Me and me and bikey made we made friends. <laughs> we were on them for like three days. Um but I didn't feel up to properly driving. And of course with the rucksacks and a child on the back, it doesn't really work. <laughs> so we thought about hiring a car, but in the end we just literally got the local bus to a town, hitchhiked to the village itself, and then and stayed there, which was well, nice. And for long, how long did you stay in Southeast Asia? 
We're in Southeast Asia for about five months in total. Oh, wow. Took us to get. So we started off, you know, we, we landed in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. We did have a car for a bit at the bottom there and then I sort of overlanded up um, up to Chiang Mai and stuff and then all the way down through Laos um, through Cambodia and then across the Mekong and Vietnam and, and up to Hanoi. So we did, yes. yeah, we try, we were trying to do it because we try and, you know, try and do the whole eco thing. So we were trying to do it on the local buses and not fly and, and do it in as sort of eco-friendly a way as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was, that was good fun. That's great. Like, one of, go on, sorry. One of the things that I'm thinking about is like, you're so brave to take out your kids out of school and just go travel with the kids because that's probably was one of those things where you're like, kids are one of the things that put people in a spot and they don't move of course because kids they need to go to school they need to do those things so that Mm. was crazy so how did you deal with those kind of things for like i think it was it was okay for us because part of the reason we went in some ways was for the kids so my daughter was very um she is well she's now up to here on me and i'm 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 five six she is over five foot she's ten um so she is tall she's all legs she's got this flaming red hair um and but she you know she she didn't have much confidence so she's uh it was quite keen to please other people and so i could just see that when she went to secondary school she would be a follower i was just worried that she, that she okay. would end up falling mm. with that crowd you know being a follower being an early developer mm. and all this stuff so actually one of the things we wanted to do was to hopefully build a more self-confidence in her um so that she could you know sort of say no to some things and, and, and kind of be a bit more of her own her own person um and yeah we weren't too worried about them. we just knew that they would learn so much so many values from seeing other cultures just to go and see these people that have nothing and um and, and yeah just just to learn about other cultures and stuff and to leave this sort of very you know i was brought up very much just in the uk i didn't even leave the uk until i was 14 and that was only to go to like the Canary Islands, you know. So, oh no, I went to I went to France and Germany, but still, I you know I didn't really I very much grew yeah. up in this in this UK culture. Um, and actually, when we told the teachers at school, we weren't sure what they would say, but pretty much all of them were like, "Oh my God, they will learn so much more." They were like, "Not you know, I'm not allowed to tell you this, but because of course official language, <laughs> they should be in school." But they were like, yes. "They're going to learn so much more yeah. from it than they would ever learn at mm-hmm. school." And you know, and the, the teacher here at this new school we just started, she was like, it's amazing. So the, the children that we've seen that have done stuff like that, they are usually so much more resilient. They're so adaptable. Yeah. Um, you know, they deal with these sorts of, you know, change. I mean, as they've taken all of this in their stride, you know, the, the COVID, moving house, not knowing where we were living, we were kind of squatting for them. But seeing all these posts of people was putting on about their kids, you know, really suffering with anxiety and really uncertain because they're not at school anymore. And oh my yeah. God, am I like, Oh, whatever, what are we doing this week? Where are we, you know, where are we going? And they, you know, and, and they've come back and, and bless them. You know, I said to them, What do you want for Christmas? And they're like, It's okay, we've got everything we need. Okay, people want to buy you things. That's, that's yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. It's that's really nice. They've come back with this more of an appreciation for, yeah, yeah. stuff um, um, and, and family. And, you know, because obviously they missed family. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, my family as well, they cultivate, cultivated, like, travel and meeting mm. new places and meeting new people in me since a younger age. 
like my mom used to, to carry me all around uh, South America. So oh, wow. I had this experience. And as you said, like it, it's a really like life changing stuff when you literally um, try to face another realities, mm. another cultures, mm -hmm. another like kind of people, another environment. Yeah, you start to develop like this inner gratitude for what you have. Mm -hmm. You stop to literally be careless, like taking things for granted and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you also yeah. like develop this curiosity to know more places, to know more people, to experience yeah. and live your life. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, as you said, like it's it's beautiful, like this act of like um, thinking in your kids while you're also like doing this for yourself um it's it's a win-win situation you know both for them for the kids and for yeah. you and your husband it really was because my husband sort of said well actually he you know he's not good at just talking to randoms it's very popular yeah. with his friends but he doesn't really enjoy small talk with with other yeah. people so his kind of mission was you know to, to talk because you just have to talk to people don't you like yeah um <laughs> yes. so his mission was to talk to people when he's come back and he now I'm a bit gutted to be honest because clearly I love chatting and now we go out places and, and he'll suddenly start answering questions and I'm like hey I used to do all the talking around here like what's going on but also it's, then that's a change in him and I think yeah. I myself feel more confident once you you know there's this I guess there's a bit of a fear of the world when you yeah. don't see it you're told stories you're told these other countries are scary or you know not developed mm -hmm. or you know like most people when we said we were going out there people were worried for our safety um and you know, think you're gonna be mugged or something awful is gonna to happen to you. But having been out there and you know, just navigated various weird situations and made your way around these countries and met people from these countries, and you just realise that most people are so nice, most people mm -hmm. are lovely, and yeah, they're I they, we thought they were amazing out there because they are so generous with the nothing that they have. And um, there's so much more, I don't know, we're so quick in this country to blame other people and get angry for you know and we feel so entitled to have all this stuff and and they're yep. you know just they're just yep. this totally different way of looking at things and it's really interesting to see it and i, I just i personally i just loved the the way that that people out there tend to just so you know like we have to have a gadget for everything mm -hmm. you know if we're going to do a job we're like well that might do but it's that's not the right oh i can have mm -hmm. this gadget yep. that does exactly that job so we collect with staff and i just love the way that, that in southeast asia it's you just see all these cobbled together. They just use what they have. Um, and I just loved that. I thought some of the ingenious ideas, I was like, the problem solving that goes into some of these things is brilliant. We don't do that. We just we just have to buy a solution. We don't we don't use our brains now. Yeah. Oh, um, there's always an app for something. Yeah, <laughs> these yeah. days, there's always an app for anything that you need. There no, is. but like it's it's truly one of the best things to ever do is to leave mm. a country and go somewhere else. Same for me as Gustavo. Traveling and like leaving Egypt has been in the books for me since I was a kid, right? Like mm. my family, all of them, they traveled. I traveled when I was a kid with my father when he okay. was working abroad. So just learning different cultures, seeing different mm. people and experience different things actually teaches you way more than as you said in school for example because yeah. like math is good but we have a calculator on my yeah, phone now so it's not yeah. really that big, you know? <laughs> yeah and to be honest i don't we've come back and 
because we were still, I mean, we didn't do no education. We were homeschooling them. We mm. still kept up maths. You know, I think they're possibly further ahead than they might have been. But also we, you know, we, we learned Spanish while we were traveling. And, and you know, we saw, um, you know, we saw ex volcanoes and we went to Christchurch where they had earthquakes and saw the, the first hand, the damage of an earthquake. Um, you know, we were in all these different mm-hmm. river systems and these types of mountains of scenery and learned so much history. I mean, my God, I had, I feel bad because I, you know, we grew up learning UK history. I had no idea how we treated the Aborigines when we went over there. I mean, it, it's almost worse than we did treated the slave, you know, slaves. Yeah. And yet we just mm. don't get taught that in school. And I didn't know anything about the Vietnam War and the cluster bombing in Laos and all these things that have happened over there that are absolutely massive. And to see, you know, we didn't we didn't take the kids to the um, to the, the the Pol Pot sort of museum, the killing fields and stuff. We, we yeah. decided that yeah, might be yeah, a bit yeah. much for them, yeah. but they, you know, we told them about it um, and these sorts of things. And you just there's so much world history that you don't learn about here. <laughs> like you do, you know, did the World War a few times, but actually I only knew about the European bit of the World War. I didn't know all the stuff going on in Japan and all these other bits of it really. Um, yeah. It's amazing. And the impact, we did come away feeling really guilty for being Western because, mm. oh my God, the things we have done to these other cultures and people when we thought we were the best um, are quite shocking. And I was quite embarrassed mm. yeah. on our behalf yeah. many well, times. Yeah. But yeah. Re- history is written by the victor, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, but it's supposed to why... hear the victim stories, some of the victim stories. <laughs> yeah. No, it's important to hear the victim story, mm. of course. Like, that's the key thing to have mm. perspective. Yeah. And it was interesting as well, because obviously they're all, you learn a lot about what China's done as well. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's all quite interesting too. I'll say no more, mm. but yeah. <laughs> and um, Sarah, do you attribute your willingness to help people now with nutrition, with your experience in traveling through uh, Southeast Asia and seeing these people with such like lessons than you have sharing what they had with you or you you believe it is a combo of everything that I experienced? I was always gonna, I mean, I've been talking about doing, I've, I've been studying for nutrition, nutrition for over yeah. five years. So that was kind of, we talked about it, me starting my own business at some point with it. Um, the issue always is, you know, with starting your own businesses, try to start it, earn enough money to then quit. Yeah. Um, so, the travel, I guess my depression and the re-questioning and then the travel, it's just sped, every, sped that all up because yeah. I came back and obviously um, couldn't get a job again because of COVID. So no one was hiring. <laughs> um, my husband and I thought, yeah, you know, accountant, insurance broker, we'll, we'll come back and get a job fine. Like it'll be easy. And then didn't, didn't predict a pandemic yeah. um, as no one did. So that nope. it just kind of felt like that was the time you know, it was like, I'm literally sitting here. I have nothing else to do. I've been talking about starting a business for, for years. No. I am never going to have a better time than, than now. So, and I, you know, I've done all the qualifications. I've finished them, been, so I've been doing them for four or five years. So I've been qualified, just, just waiting for that right moment. So in some ways, COVID for me, I suppose, has been a bit of a blessing in a way. It's yeah. certainly uh, caused a life change and it's also accelerated stage two. So I've been really lucky that we've, so we decided to move to the country 
um so we've halved our mortgage which means i don't have to earn a penny yeah which is, nice. means that we can i can do all this you know knowing that there's absolutely no pressure on me to there's no stress if i never make any money and i just <laughs> keep putting free stuff out there and no one ever wants me to actually you know properly help them then i we're fine <laughs> it's so well, good yeah that's a great mindset to have mm -hmm. because you don't have anything holding you back you know yeah You're just like yeah there's no fear there's no exactly. Exactly. desperation for people's money i'm like i would love to help you but if, if we're not right then let's you know I'm fine. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm very, very lucky in that way because I know most people don't have that opportunity. Um, it's one of the reasons I am grateful, you know, despite the fact they ended up with, I had some years of rubbish health and, and stress and depression and, and, you know, in those times were really difficult. And, and that was kind of all because of the career that I had. Yeah. Equally, that career it paid ridiculous money um, yeah. and meant that I am kind of set up now to do you know, to go traveling and, yep. you know, not many people could just take a year off and go traveling with their family, yep. you know, having saved for a year and, and that sort of thing. So I am grateful for it. It's yep. it semi ruined me and possibly my mental health is forever mm -hmm. messed up, but that's something I have to watch. But now I, yeah, I live in this, you can't, it's dark so no one can see, but I live in this beautiful, lovely, well, it's not a beautiful cottage. It will be beautiful when I've finished doing it. <laughs> cottage with just a, like 40 miles of views because we're on the hilltop and oh, wow. nice. garden for all my veggies and we just go for walks <laughs> out the door and yeah, everything's, it. you know, all that when we sat down and said, what do we want to do? What's going to make us happy? Yeah. Um, we've, you know, we've set a plan in place and, and all those things have kind of coming coming to pass basically because that's that's kind of how i how we roll i've always have a i'm a crazy plan i always have a five ten year plan <laughs> the accountant you have to have everything have to like down to science yeah mm -hmm. well yeah having a big having a science background and then i became an accountant because i was planning my wedding because we got married in 21 <laughs> and everyone just kept going to me you love you're so good at numbers and spreadsheets be an accountant <laughs> and i was like well i do quite like a spreadsheet so uh, okay wow. that's um, awesome. and it pays well so that was yeah. another reason i did well, accounting that's one of the things i like been looking at in this world of like working and careers and things like this most people have this like desire to leave as they call it the rat race mm -hmm. right yeah but they don't understand that they have to work and they have to make some money first before they do the jump to mm -hmm. like um, doing something for themselves even though for you like of course doing something that you love is important and is amazing but you need to secure yourself first. You mm. need to put yourself in a position to be able to get out and do your thing. Yeah, and which is hard, hard for most, isn't it? It's so difficult. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is having, if you have, so um, as well as sort of nutrition, I also did a lot about behavior change coaching as well, because changing habits is really difficult. And so I did sort of <laughs> a lot of learning in that yes. as well. So that's kind of the other thing that I, I love talking about is change as well, how to make change. Um, and so it's, a lot about knowing where you want to be, mm -hmm. why you want to be there. Mm -hmm. um, so you've really got to get clear on, on that, what it's going to give you, or like why you're doing this, and then have a clear plan, like a step, you know, break it down step by step into how how you can get there. I, I always kind of believe that there, there is a way. It's just how much, you know, what you have to sacrifice in the short term to, to get there or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you know why you're doing it, 
that can really help you to kind of stay strong and and follow the plan stick to it and if you do if you have a plan you stick to it then then you get there right that's you know that's the joy of of, of making and having a plan exactly uh, and that's um, kind of that's basically what i what i have done and how i've managed to kind of have um without sounding really annoying hopefully we have pretty much everything that i kind of <laughs> want or aim for in in life is i make it happen exactly um, a plan to execute a plan to have a routine it's helpful mm -hmm. for every aspect of your life you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's something that i preach to everybody like if we want to accomplish something first of all we have to plan we have to be honest with ourselves. yeah don't lie yes. look to yourself in the mirror and know the reasons why you're doing it Mm -hmm. and then do it like do mm -hmm. your planning create a routine and follow be strict and you're gonna get there you know um mm -hmm. like you like i had a great career back home i mm -hmm. had everything i was living the most comfortable yeah. life ever everything. yeah yeah like everything <laughs> everything the society say to me like yeah that's what you should have right yeah i had that and mm. i wasn't happy like mm -hmm. i got to the point that i was living other people's life mm -hmm. i was like yes i'm making my father proud and making my family proud i'm being like this really well-spoken lawyer for my age well so what else can i do and then mm -hmm. i started to literally question myself about like my inspirations what makes me happy what i want to accomplish things that i want to do and mm -hmm. then i realized like that i was in the wrong place with wrong people around me and i had mm -hmm. like a world to explore and new experiences to live. Mm -hmm. So that like pushed me toward planning, towards creating like weekly routines to make this possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And and since then, that's what I'm ex executing for everything. Mm -hmm. Fitness wise, diet wise, even though I'm sleeping, holidays, you know? <laughs> We're all sleeping <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm back to the plan, um, yeah. business and everything, you know? And of course mm -hmm. it, it's, I, I can say in a personal uh, level, but I'm living a greater life mm. more than ever, you know? Yeah, I think it's really important that people take the time, take that step back and yeah. go, what do I actually want? What makes me happy? Ideally, before they end up with like the mental breakdown like I had, you know, do it, <laughs> do it before you get there. Um, <laughs> it would be helpful. That's my recommendation. Yeah. Do it now uh, rather than waiting for, yeah, your health to die. Well, yeah, if you're constantly running, right, like those, that's another thing that the COVID really helped with, like many other people who mm. are looking at themselves is that when you're constantly running, working, doing this, doing that, mm. always uh, in a rush, as they say, you mm. don't have time to listen to yourself talk, right? And listen to yourself talk is the most important thing. Yes. It's the only person you're going to live with all your life. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and that's where I was. That's why I ended up having the, having to have the breakdown before I realised it because I was crazy busy and never never took a moment to stop and think. Mm -hmm. If I was going the right, you know, I thought I was going the right way, but you gotta let this dust settle, as they say. You know, make a mess, do your thing, like go out and go absolutely hundred percent to the max, but then give yourself that time to see, okay, where did mm -hmm. I land? Did I get where I want? Did yeah. I not get where I want? and yeah. just slowing down is important it is i think the other thing that has been um the other probably partial reason that i ended up kind of saying yes to the travel possibly so easily um is that i i've always been i'm 
because I'm a massive thinker and a planner and I, I'm always like 10 steps ahead of myself. It tends to mean I don't do a lot of things or I used to. So in my 20s, I generally would say no to things, you know, do you want to jump in the pool? Do you want to do this crazy thing? And I'm going, well, no, because afterwards I'm going to be wet or afterwards it's going to, you know, I'll, we'll be in trouble or after, you know. And so I used to think I was really, and I started to think I was really boring. <laughs> I was like, I don't do anything because I, I stay safe all the time. And I kind of came across like, you know, hashtag say yes more. Um, and I actually ended up going to Yesterball. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No. Um, it's this great thing. Um, I, I loved it. I initially thought I was like, mm, sort of sounds a bit kind of hippie. They love to hug. I was like, I'm not sure this is really my place. But actually, I, it's, it's a festival. All right. Um, and you go camping. It's in like October. And I was like, camping in October? Why is my friend taking me to this? Um, but it was amazing. And it's just a whole, it's about 500 people. Mm-hmm. It's all about, they're all about saying yes more, opening yourself up to mini adventures, new experiences. So they have all these um, talks throughout the day of people that have done things. Yeah. You know, some of them like climbing Everest, some of them like just getting on a tandem bike with the husband and cycling to across Europe. Um, all the, and some of them just um, just doing a walk, you know, because they have some particular disease or illness, you know, that was that, you know, their, their kind of big thing or big adventure. So it's all really like inspiring. Some people, some of it's just people overcoming mental health issues. Um, so just listening to these inspiring talks and just talking to people about, you know, how you can make your life just have, you know, mm-hmm. what you can do at the weekend, what you could do to just live your life. Um, and so I started saying yes more, which was quite a big thing for me. Um, you know, I jumped, I did jump in the pool in the end at my <laughs> brother-in-law's wedding. I don't drink, so I was the only sober one for my defence. But <laughs> I went in, you know, and every time I've said yes, even though a lot of me is going, don't be crazy, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Every time I've enjoyed it and every time I've been pleased that I did, I haven't yet regretted anything that I've said yes to. And so that then means the next time it's easier to say yes. And I think mm-hmm. part of the travel thing was just you know, this came up, should, should we do this? And we're like, I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, and I think that also happened in our travels as well. So I said about Myanmar being, having some crazy, like weird experiences. Um, we were on these mopeds in going through Bagan, which is this amazing, like 14 kilometre site with 2000 temples. Wow. You may have seen pictures yeah. of it. It's like just temples yeah, yeah, all over yeah, the horizon. Yeah. They've yep. got hot air yep. balloons. Yep. Amazing place. And you just charge about on these e-bikes, just <laughs> nipping in at these little sandy just paths and going, oh, that one looks interesting. Or you, know, you come and you don't see anyone else for like, you know, 10 minutes at a time. And then there's like a massive one with all the tourists. Um, and we were just cycling. I had my son on the back and we stopped to look at the map. And this chap comes up on his bike, um, speaks some sort of English, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, you, you're like bananas and pineapple. My son, who's behind me, is like, oh, bananas, which is like his favourite food. He's like, I love bananas. And the guy's like, well, do you want to come to my house and we can have bananas and pineapple? And, you know, being British, everything in your head is going, do no. not go, do not go. Oh my God, like, why would you say yes? And, you know, in England, if someone came up to you and said, oh, I've got some food in my house, do you want to come over? Clearly, the answer's no. And I was like, oh, you know what we're, we're like we're gonna, we're gonna go like we're gonna go you know they're like 80 percent um buddhist there anyway and yeah. so they there's just so little crime in, in places like that and then we went and we're following this guy on this bike going what like oh my god like what are we doing 
and turn up what in the sky. What would my mum say? <laughs> <I know. laughs> this is, could be one of those really dodgy, these stupid tourists that, you know, followed this people into the back of some village. So we took us off to this little village and then pulled up its house and, you know, went in. just like a proper old, wooden, like proper little wooden house on stilts and, you know, no real furniture. She's, you know, his wife's cooking on, you know, squatting on the floor with the pots proper you know, proper local people. Yeah. Um, and he had, you know, the, the Buddha shrine and he, we sat on the floor and he pulled out some banana and pineapple for us. We were like, okay, at least there is food. <laughs> that wasn't a lie. And he just, he, we just had this chat with this guy and he, he was, you know, his English was, you know, pretty good for someone who's probably never had any English lessons. Yeah. Um, certainly a lot better than my Burmese. Um, <laughs> and he did in the end pull out some, talk about how he needed some of paintings. He did pull out some paintings that he wanted us to buy, which we'd seen elsewhere and we knew that he hadn't painted, but yeah we bought some anyway and he was so excited that he, <laughs> he invited us for, for lunch the next day um because we bought two nice. again we're like <laughs> you bought a pass for the, the other meal. <laughs> yeah again you're thinking well okay you know cooking standards here are probably not quite what we're used to at home we probably shouldn't be eating chicken and probably should say no but we're like no you know what so we came back the next day and we had this lunch with these with these people in their house and it was just you know lovely like traditional food and then we're like that was such a nice memory from our trip the woman she yeah. didn't the, she didn't speak much english at all she kept pinky prom trying to pinky promise my son <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was an english thing how how the burmese got hold of pinky promise um she kept trying to do you know you stay with me you stay with me she wanted him to stay there she wants to adopt him I thought she wasn't going to go at the end. They did suggest that we could leave the kids with them when we went away and come back for lunch tomorrow and pick the kids up. We were like, nah, no, we'll take them. But it was experiences like that that, you know, most people, and we probably should have said no to, yeah. if we were being really sensible. Um, but by kind of opening ourselves up to experiences and saying yes more, that's now like a really like lovely, memorable part of our trip. Because mm -hmm. part of the reason we wanted to go traveling was to meet local cultures and you go well if you don't you know i've literally had a local ask people, me to come yeah. in this house how can i you know how can i turn that down when i'm here to kind of immerse myself in in how exactly. they live so exactly. yeah and, and so here it, you are was... with an amazing story right <laughs> exactly yeah so it's things like that um yeah that was that that's i think yeah say yes more and um dave cornthwaite is the guy that started it very lovely yeah. chap just as a way of trying to get people more people out of london and just doing something outdoors yeah. um yeah. and it's kind of grown from there yeah um, also there were well, i think the uk's first green totally eco festival i think mm. anyway mm. it was great unfortunately mm. i haven't been one for a few years but <laughs> i shall be going again when they do stuff <laughs> yeah but yeah it's well, a nice um yeah it's made my 30s much more enjoyable by saying you know by doing things living life you know that's what it's all about experience right exactly uh, exactly like if yeah you, if you stay behind in your room you're not going to experience nothing there's no stimulus right and you're we are humans who need stimulus we need experience we need mm. like things that excite us we need the things that scares us that's why like movies are yeah. huge because <laughs> they get you in that sense. If yeah. it's a horror movie, it's a, even shitty movies, they have a place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course. Maybe that's why I'm watching loads of movies at the moment. We just seem to watch films all the time. But you say it just shows you other places, other scenes, other people, new ideas. Yeah. It's um, a bit of variety, isn't it? Which, 
we crave. Well, before we let you go, one thing I have on my mind is that, of course, with the eating and dieting and all those things, the biggest issue that people have is that always, oh, I don't have the time. I don't know what to do. I mm-hmm. don't know how to like sort out my day and to be like to cook my things. What are things that you can do that makes things cooking easier, more fun, and like make it more interesting for people who actually just would like to do it, but they don't know where to go with it? Like, yeah, I think um, I'm a massive bigger planner, I'm a massive mm-hmm. fan of meal planning. Um, and I think if you don't plan your meals, I think once you're in a habit of eating healthily and eating the right things, you can you can just wing it, but when you're trying to make a shift, you have to start planning. And a lot of people are very daunted by the idea of meal planning. It seems like this massive task, but even just planning two dinners that week, that's still, that's still meal planning. That's still, you know, you start with what you can manage and kind of build, build up to it. Um, you know, if you just start by planning one or two healthy meals in for that next week, make sure you can get those ingredients and that you have those meals. You know, once you've done that for a few weeks, you, you can expand, you can do three meals. I'm a big fan of not making change all at once. I think a lot of people, you know, we suddenly hit January and we go, right, I'm going to be healthy now. I'm going to do, and I used to do this all the time. This is why I failed at improving my diet for about 15 years um, until I kind of found out, I kind of learned how to make change. Um, people do it all at once. You try and change everything you try and you start you you drop all the naughty foods you know you you say i'm not having any more chocolate and biscuits i'm going to eat loads of vegetables you go out and you buy all the stuff and then you know maybe you keep it for a week or two but always something's going to happen you get stressed you have a bad day you get a bit ill something funny happens with the kids you know it you get derailed and part of that is because i mean i could talk for ages again about about this and how your brain works with change um, but part of it is because it takes energy to focus on breaking a habit or to doing a new thing. So a lot of what our brains do is they just use the same thing that's worked before. And if you want mm-hmm. to do something different, you have to put energy in. Yep. And so if you're trying to change a hundred things, there's the focus that requires is impossible. You need to just have a couple of things, know why you're doing them and be able to sort of focus on them. Don't, don't, don't stretch yourself too much and just, every couple of weeks just build something else in and take slow steps to the journey rather than trying to do everything at once i think that's a really big problem for a lot of people at the moment and that doesn't sort of answer the people strap the time question but and then people think i don't have time to meal plan but meal planning saves you time in the long run because you don't spend mm. that time every evening going oh my god what am i going to make uh raiding the cupboards um or and, and it massively reduces your food waste and their cuts your spending down as well which is also really helpful um the other thing i would say is, is get friendly with your spices one of the things mm. that really helped us to move to veggies because again <laughs> a lot of people say veggies are boring veggies are bland yes if you boil up some broccoli or some cauliflower it doesn't taste that great um but if you you know you steam it or you cook it and you you put it like we love smoky um smoked paprika Ooh, and yes. chipotle chili anything yes. smoky essential spicy come on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to have <laughs> um and we do a lot with cumin and coriander like i love like moroccan and and mm. sort of mexican sort of spices you know find the flavor that you like and flavor the vegetables that flavor i mean spice by mm. most herbs the spices are good for you so you don't even have to be worried about chucking in you know if you oh. like if you want to chuck chili powder and everything chuck chili powder mm. and everything 
make your food taste how you want it to taste yeah. using herbs and spices, not using sugar and yeah. like, um, you know, well. loads of really unhealthy fats and dodgy sources that contain all sorts of crap. <laughs> uh, and then it's really easy. I mean, you can yes. make a dinner out of some beans from the cupboard, some chopped tomatoes, some spices, and whatever veg you happen to have left in the fridge. Done. You know, you know, dinner can become pretty simple, actually, when, mm -hmm. when, when you kind of use what you have and you, and you keep it simple. I think it's easy to kind of go and look up all these complicated recipes when it's really just easier just to combine about five different things. Say so whatever vegetables you have. Vegetables are so interchangeable. If you don't mm -hmm. have the exact vegetable, just stick a different one in. That's, yep. It's easy that's, when you when you of, chill it. <laughs> that's one of the things that's really actually helped me cook, like develop my cooking habits. It's just to improvise, do whatever mm. I feel like. My fridge has something I'm improvising, and keeping it simple has been the thing where I started. It's just like okay, let me just make something that's easy to make, quick, and doesn't consume much time. Mm. And once I got that down, now like I can improvise as much as I want and mm. do whatever. And that's pretty much one of the most essential things when you're trying to cook, is just not to bug yourself with many things and like, oh, be so strict. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry to the Irish and the UK people, but nobody knows how to use spices here come on come, come on, on. you're talking about ireland of course <laughs> come on potato eaters come on uh, yeah we 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 like our, we have our gravy but that's um not that healthy <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's true what is what are classic uk flavors apart from gravy and like cheese sauces <laughs> cheese cheese and gravy yeah mm -hmm. We, we we need to, I think we need, yeah we definitely need to go abroad for for, for flavoring things nicely. Well, I must say that chip tastes amazing. All right, it's one of my favorite <laughs> yes, things yes. over here. There's always, there's always <laughs> chips. <laughs> That's yeah, fair enough. I can't wait. We've got a new we've got a fish and chippy. We keep being told it's really good down the road, yeah. but it's shut for the lockdown. Yeah, and I'm like oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> So well, even though I eat healthily and I'm a nutrition coach and all this stuff, I'm totally like this. Don't need to cut all this stuff out. There's definitely no. food is about enjoyment. Yeah. As long as you're eating healthy, getting you know vegetables. If you can try and get, I mean, I try and get ten portions a day, which to most people sounds insane, yeah. um, but is actually the amount we're meant to get. Um, if you're getting that many vegetables, then you can you could have a biscuit, you could have some chocolate. You know, if you have some chips on a Friday or take. It's fine. You don't even need to like stress about it or think about it. It's mm -hmm. that's my opinion. It's, it's absolutely fine. Everything in moderation. Right, so Food is for fun. Food is for enjoying. <laughs> I believe like yeah, treat yourself. Exactly. Yeah, and food is really like at the moment. I literally just did a live in my group about this um, uh, a couple of days ago um, about how actually about how well ha i was doing about happiness and how kind of food links with with pleasure and how you need to eat the right things to get all the right um brain chemicals to be to be able to be happy and non-depressed which is really important at the moment um but also food so part of that was that you know food foods like chocolate and red wine and things you enjoy they elicit pleasure so you know use them okay not don't just eat chocolate all the time but they definitely have a place even more so at the moment i think mm -hmm. a little bit of a lifter yeah um on that note i feel like we have 
touched and everything um basically <laughs> yeah, chat um <laughs> please let us know where we can find you on social media and the internet yeah so um i have a facebook group so if yeah. you search for um eco-friendly eating in facebook the group should come up um and a, or search for eat think explore um i've got a facebook page and again my instagram is eat underscore think underscore explore so that's kind of eat the food you know thinking that's got the sustainability element and explore kind of links my travel and trying new foods and things mm -hmm. hence the name nice. <laughs> um yeah so that's and the website is www.eatthinkexplore.com so as long as you remember eat think explore you're uh you'll probably find me yeah um, i'm gonna gonna link everything down below um, excellent the description yeah. yeah thank you I'd so much for your time group. That would be... yeah we're gonna boost that for sure yeah that's the best place listen to come me. go straight to her group all right facebook yeah. group now <laughs> <laughs> come join uh, me thanks so much for your time really appreciate it. it was a really nice talk yeah uh, it was had a great time thanks guys it's nice to have just a chat to other people <laughs> <laughs> and we catch up everyone in the next episode thank you yeah thank you thanks so much night guys